welcome to our Savior's Lutheran Church and our Good Friday worship. Tonight, we continue our Holy Week journey as we gather virtually around the cross and hear the Passion story according to St. John. We gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, look with loving mercy on your family, for whom our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed, to be given over to the hands of sinners, and to suffer death on the cross, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. John. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who was betrayed, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the soldiers, their officer, and the Jewish police arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they took him to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was better to have one person die for the people 
Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter was standing outside at the gate. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the woman who guarded the gate, and brought Peter in. The woman said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing around it and warming themselves. Peter also was standing with them and warming himself. Then the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They asked him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, the cock crowed. Then they took Jesus from Caiaphas to Pilate's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the headquarters so as to avoid ritual defilement and to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews replied, We are not permitted to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he was to die. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, 
My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went out to the Jews again and told them, I find no case against him. But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? They shouted in reply, Not this man but Barabbas. Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, and the soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they dressed him in a purple robe. They kept coming up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and striking him on the face. Pilate went out again and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no case against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the police saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no case against him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has claimed to be the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was more afraid than ever. He entered his headquarters again and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore said to him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Do you not know that I have power to release you and power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. 
From then on, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are no friend of the emperor. Everyone who claims to be a king sets himself against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside and sat on the judge's bench at a place called the Stone Pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, and it was about noon. He said to the Jews, Here is your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but the emperor. Then he handed him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus, and carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Hebrew is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, with Jesus between them. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, in Latin, and in Greek. Then the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says. They divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. 
when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, the Jews did not want the bodies left on the cross during the Sabbath, especially because that Sabbath was a day of great solemnity. So they asked Pilate to have the legs of the crucified men broken and the bodies removed. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once blood and water came out. He who saw this has testified so that you also may believe. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth. These things occurred so that scripture might be fulfilled. None of his bones shall be broken. And again, another passage of scripture says they will look on the one whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews, asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission, so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about a hundred pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in the place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, the two, and the tomb was nearby. They laid Jesus there. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Amen. What's the plan for tomorrow? 
These words begin a nightly routine of checking in with each other at my house. Who has something going on before school or after school? When will everyone be home from school or work? Who will be eating dinner at home? Who has evening activities or meetings? Who needs a ride somewhere? Do our plans require additional help? Is it time to bring in the reinforcements to give grandma and grandpa a call and see if they can do some driving or maybe provide a meal? This routine continued for about the first week of the safer at home order, but then largely stopped because the answer was the same every night. What's the plan for tomorrow? Same as today. This feeling of monotony, of repetition, the day in and day out character of life is captured by Shakespeare in the well-known soliloquy near the end of the play, Macbeth. Just as a brief refresher, the play begins with Macbeth murdering the Scottish King Duncan so as to become king himself. Now, as the play nears the end, the forces close in on Macbeth to kill him. His wife, Lady Macbeth, who played a pivotal role in convincing him to go through with the murder, has killed herself. And it is when news of her death reaches Macbeth that he begins this famous soliloquy. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. I saw a BBC production of this play a few years back that featured Sir Patrick Stewart in the title role. In an accompanying interview about his performance, he shared that Sir Ian McKellen, who himself had played Macbeth, told him that the most important word in that famous line, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, was the word and. It is the word and that drives home the repetition, the monotony, the futility of life. While we ourselves may not be Macbeth, Nevertheless, our lives are marred by the effects of sin, whether in world history, national history, or personal biographies, we see patterns, cycles of violence, oppression, addiction, abuse, racism, xenophobia, fear play out again and again and again. The context, the details may be different, but history repeats itself because sin has a hold of us. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. 
even when God enters into human existence, when the word becomes flesh and lives among us, even Jesus is subject to, suffers from the effects of sin that play out in our world. Here on this Good Friday, we see those cycles of violence crush, crucify the life out of Jesus. It is finished, Jesus says, as he takes his last breath. His human life, the incarnation, is over. It is finished. But these are not words told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. These are words of the Savior, the Word made flesh, and they signify the beginning of a new creation and the possibility of abundant life. For God did not send his Son into the world to light the way to dusty death, but to light the way to the Father and to abundant life. What the disciples don't know yet, what we in the middle of this three-day drama don't know yet, is that God has been busy all this while rewriting Shakespeare's famous line. And now it is finished. God has replaced the word and with the word but. This will make all the difference tomorrow. But tomorrow. But tomorrow. Today may be marred by sin, but tomorrow holds the promise of new life. Today we may be estranged, but tomorrow we will be reconciled. Today we may have caused offense, but tomorrow we will experience forgiveness. Today we may have caused harm, but tomorrow we will, will give us the opportunity to bring healing. Today we may be exhausted, but tomorrow we will be renewed and refreshed. Today we may feel anxious and worried, but tomorrow we will know peace. Today we may be sick and dying, but tomorrow we will be given abundant eternal life. It is finished. Jesus has broken the cycles and patterns that have kept our lives trapped in sin. We are not bound to the old ways. They have been destroyed, crucified with Jesus. The sun is setting on today, but tomorrow is coming. Soon we will see the first light of the resurrection dawn. Amen. As we sing our offertory, I invite you to consider the ways in which you are called to be generous with your gifts, with your time and your talent and your resources. We welcome your offerings here to OSL. You may send them to the church office or you may use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com.
The bidding prayers have been a part of Christian worship on Good Friday for centuries. As Jesus draws all people to himself, we pray for the whole world for which Christ died. Each prayer petition begins with an invitation for you to pray for a specific group of people or a specific need, followed by some silence for your individual prayer. We will then offer a concluding prayer before we sing our prayer response, O Lord, hear my prayer. Welcome to this time of prayer. Let us pray, brothers and sisters, for the Holy Church throughout the world. Almighty and eternal God, you have shown your glory to all nations in Jesus Christ. By your Holy Spirit, guide the church and gather it throughout the world. Help it to persevere in faith, proclaim your name, and bring the good news of salvation in Christ to all people. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for our sisters and brothers who share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, you give your church unity Look with favor on all who follow Jesus, your Son. Make all the baptized one in the fullness of faith and keep us united in the fellowship of love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for the Jewish people, 
the first to hear the word of God. Almighty and eternal God, long ago you gave your promise to Abraham and your teaching to Moses. Hear our prayers that the people you called and elected as your own may receive the fulfillment of the covenant's promises. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those who do not share our faith in Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal God, gather into your embrace all those who call out to you under different names. Bring an end to interreligious strife and make us more faithful witnesses of the love made known to us in your Son. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray for those who serve in public office. Almighty and eternal God, you are the champion of the poor and oppressed. In your goodness, give wisdom to those in authority so that all people may enjoy justice, peace, freedom, and to share in the goodness of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us pray for those in need. Almighty and eternal God, you give strength to the weary and new courage to those who have lost heart. Heal the sick, comfort the dying, give safety to travelers, free those unjustly deprived of liberty, and deliver your world from falsehood, hunger, and disease. Hear the prayers of all who call on you in any trouble that they may have the joy of receiving your help in their need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Finally, let us pray for all those things for which our Lord would have us ask, as we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Behold, the life-giving cross on which was hung the Savior of the world. You are invited at this time to reflect on the mystery of our faith. Christ has died so that we may live. We sing together, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom.
Dear sisters and brothers, we gather again for worship on Easter Sunday morning. You are invited to join us through our radio broadcast at 10.40 a.m. or through our website. Worship will be available at 8 a.m. Until then, may the love and peace of Christ hold you and keep you.